Hey, this is the Movies is Mirrors podcast. Each episode of the podcast, we have on a guest. They talk about a movie that reflects some aspect of their experience being a part of a marginalized community, and we talk about it to better understand each other, to uh, address some of the pressing social issues that we're faced with these days, and hopefully make ourselves better and the world better in some small way. My name is Benjamin Thevenin, and I'm here with our new producer Madison Roush. Madison, do you want to say hi? Hi. This past week, we went up to the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah, and spent some time recording a special episode of the podcast. Uh, Specifically, we wanted to talk to filmgoers about their experiences at the festival and with cinema, talking about the representation of women in film. While at the festival, we decided to ask some questions to the filmgoers waiting in line. And the first question that we asked them was, what was a film at Sundance that you felt represented female empowerment the most? And we got some great responses. Uh, It was fun to see how eager the participants in the festival were to share their experiences, share their opinions um, on these films that they had watched during the week. Oh, hands down, run, sweetheart, run. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that totally embodies like feminism, um, and it kind of—it's funny. It's a quirky turn on it because she kind of brings up menstruation and how they've never brought that up in film. Like we've mm-hmm. never seen someone menstruating in film, and that's kind of like off topic. So it was just interesting that she had in, like inquired that in there. So it was really fascinating. Also, really big diversity too. So not just um, a lot of times you see in feminism, it's usually towards a specific demographic, whereas in the movie it was like all types of statuses, um, sexuality and gender, as well as, um, I think of anything else, no? Yeah, no, it definitely, like, accompanied, like, a different, like, all types of, like, women, so it was a really great That's great awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yes. I think 40-Year-Old Version was also another one, too, yeah, that was really definitely. good. Yeah, that was all about just being confident in yourself and feeling good in your own skin. At any age, too. Yeah, <laughs> and just doing what you want to do and what you're passionate about, so that was really also a very inspiring movie. So um, two movies that I've seen here at Sundance, one was Giving Voice. It was a documentary about um, the August Wilson monologue competition, and it followed various students who were competing in the competition. And there was a storyline about one character, uh, not character, she's a real person, but they still refer to them as characters in the credits. Her name was Nia, and they followed her as she picked the monologue that she was performing and her experience, and she was raised by a single mother and they shared a bedroom, and she had competed in the competition before and gotten, like, second place, and in this, are we allowed to do spoilers in this podcast? Uh, She wins the competition, and her drive and how she uses the experience of her mother and her grandparents and uh, their influence in her life to inspire her and how she both performs the monologue and how she goes about pursuing the competition is absolutely inspiring and affirming as to how women can and should um, use the experiences of both trauma and inspiration in their lives to move forward and make an impact in their communities. And then the other movie we saw was Downhill, Downhill, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And I have to tell you, when I found out it was a remake, I was a little bit disappointed, but I was so impressed with that character 
um, that she played and how she brought it to life because as it was written it could have been read as a drama but she brought so much comedy to it with that 90% truth 10% timing right yeah. and um, there's a scene where her husband is trying to uh, spoilers loud again uh, there's this scene where her husband she tells her husband like you ran away and he was like I didn't I was running for help and she was like no, you ran away, and I stood here with our children when we thought we were going to die. And how she um, is able to like represent that, not as a moment of helplessness, but as a moment of, this is what we do, this is how we protect our tribe, and this is how we move forward, and I'm going to call you out on being an asshole and not recognizing that we have a responsibility, not only for ourselves, but for our futures and what we've committed to, it was very powerful feminist message to me and also that she confronts him about it and how she confronts him about it in such a public way because there's another couple in the room. I found it wonderfully entertaining but also effective in conveying a powerful message about accountability. It looked like it was gonna kill us. For a and moment. the kids were screaming because it felt like we were gonna die. Pete? Wow. And I look over at Pete, and he had grabbed his phone. Pete left us. I didn't leave you to be buried. I'm gonna win. I ran to get help. Yes, I'm gonna win. That's not what happened. And I choose to survive. I love my family. Every day is all we have! How could I run away in ski boots? What? Can you run in ski boots? Not very well. Boom. Exactly. Regardless, I wouldn't leave my family to die. That's boom. Yes, I am. So besides Downhill, some of the other films that we're excited to see come to theaters and that you should look out for are The 40-Year-Old Version, Run Sweetheart Run, and Giving Voice. So we actually recorded these interviews when we were waiting outside to see Julie Taymor's new film, The Glorias, which is a biopic based on the life of feminist activist Gloria Steinem. When we actually got into the theater and watched the film, I really appreciated how they showed the struggle of Gloria Steinem really asserting her authority in the women's movement and how important that is for female authority and standing up for oneself. So that's what I really enjoyed. But I didn't get to see any of the other Sundance films, and since it was my first time, I'm not to sure how representative of women Sundance has been in general. Um, so I'm curious, Benjamin, do you feel like there's been a lot of female representation over the years at Sundance? First, I think it was interesting seeing the Glorias and just the effort that Julie Taymor makes to represent not just a singular figure of Gloria Steinem, but represent right multiple Glorias, meaning both like there's Gloria Steinem is depicted in different kind of stages of her life and different mm -hmm. stages of the women's movement. But also there's an effort to acknowledge the varied experiences of a diverse range of women and how each of these perspectives and experiences has contributed to what we understand to be the feminist movement. And so that was really exciting to see. I think the film has other limitations, certainly, but it was really interesting to, to watch such a range of uh, women's experiences represented in the film. I was really excited to see how it wasn't just a white woman in the fe female movement, in the women's representation movement, and i just really excited to see that history and that depth of history. I wasn't expecting that, so I was very happy about that. Yeah, and then I think in recent years, um, Sundance has made a specific effort to be more inclusive in its programming and to highlight 
the stories told by traditionally marginalized communities. A year or two ago at the festival, I watched a documentary called Half the Picture, and it was um, interviewing a number of significant female film directors about their experiences being women in a male-dominated movie industry. And it was fascinating to hear uh, kind of their perspectives and the challenges that they faced, and also the opportunities that are beginning to open up, about, up to them in, in recent years with the Time's Up movement and Me Too movement and things like that, the efforts that female uh, filmmakers and film creators have made to make women feel safe and empowered with telling their stories on screen. From what I heard in the interviews and what I read online, there were a lot of female-led films this year at Sundance. There's something around 43%, which is just amazing. And like you said, it at least for me, being a woman and hopefully going into the film industry and media industry, I am so excited to feel like I have a seat at the table. Yeah, in fact, when I think about the buzz around most of the films at Sundance this year, most of it is about women-centered films, right? It's the Taylor Swift documentary. Mm -hmm. It's Carrie Brownstein and St. Vincent's film. It's um, Miranda July's new film. It's Kirsten Johnson's new documentary. It's these kind of really innovative female filmmakers that are getting a lot of the attention, which is really exciting. Yeah, not just narrative, but also the creators. And even with Downhill, there's a female-led character, even though it's a Will Ferrell comedy, which I think is really cool, because usually Will Ferrell is the one in the driver's seat when it comes to his character in most of his comedies, and I thought that was really cool. That's great. One of my favorite questions that we asked filmgoers was the question, what scene in a film did you feel like represented female empowerment the best? And the answers we got were really interesting. I really liked Brave. Um, very strong character, and I appreciate that they didn't need to add a romantic interest for her. Because I feel like a lot of Disney films, they rely on like the romance aspect. She's just this girl doing her own thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, my first thought is in Moana, <laughs> but I'm like ashamed to say that. Um, the scene, you know, that, that moment when Grandma Tala is talking to Moana and her decision to like leave the island, she says, you are your father's daughter in stubbornness and pride. Mind what he says, but remember you must hear a voice inside. And when that voice starts to whisper, the follow the farthest star, Moana, that voice inside is who you are. That's sung, but I'm tone deaf and hoarse. Um, I am moved to tears in that moment because it's about acknowledging that you're allowed to have informative and impactful relationships with people who you recognize are as leaders in your life, whether they're male or female. But you are accountable to... Um, look within and see how do you want that to affect you and how you move forward and I think the influence of having her grandmother say that in facilitating an introspective moment that then facilitates her uh, ability or desire to leave to go forth and advocate for her community is very powerful and I think it's accessible, accessible to both young children and then every age thereafter You are your father's daughter stubbornness and pride mind what he says but remember you may hear a voice inside and if the voice starts to whisper to 
follow the farthest star. Moana, that voice inside is who you are. That interview was so insightful. I was so grateful that we had that perspective on the movie, which I love Moana, but I never really considered that what she's talking about, that we can have relationships with the authority figures in our lives, male or female, but ultimately we are accountable to the voice within us. And then especially from a female perspective, that that is what is going to allow women to be empowered. It was so cool. Yeah, that was really, really fascinating. I really loved that idea of having women be accountable for themselves. That was really empowering. And especially having a female leader, her grandmother, give her that advice. And when she talked in the conversation about how either male or female authority figures and that we have our own consequences to our actions, that is feminism, that equality of the genders and the sexes. So I just really appreciated that response. So I'm curious, Madison, what is your answer to that question? What scene from a film do you feel like represents female empowerment the best? Specifically, I think this past year, in general, it's hard for me to pin a specific scene down. But last year with Little Women, there is a scene where Joe talks about how women are more than just this romantic fluff kind of figure that they have minds and they have opinions and they're smart and they're kind and they're capable and amazing. But then she goes, but I'm lonely and I'm so lonely. And I, it really just hit me and it, I feel like it hit home for a lot of women in the audience, especially in this day and age where we are so focused on female empowerment and that is so beautiful. Um, but that point where I'm lonely and it's so hard I feel like, and what, what I loved about that representation is that sometimes being lonely and talking about those romantic interests feels like we're going backwards a little bit with feminism, but it's not. It's not. It's just a human emotion and it's a human feeling. So I really loved how empowering that was because that gave that that space for all the women who are lonely, for all the women who do think about romantic relationships just like any other, anybody else. Yeah, and you think that, like, you know, in the 1860s, Joe March's experience being this kind of progressive female figure, right? It would be lonely, actually. Yeah. And that it's not the fault of uh, her own, but it's the fault of society that kind of uh, is questions the type of feminism that she represents. And, um, and so I can imagine why she would feel so isolated, not just because she hasn't found someone to love, but because so few people around her kind of share her values when it comes to, like, her gender. Yeah. I just, I just feel, I just feel like women, they, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts and they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of people saying that, that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. But I'm so I'm so lonely. So what about you? What's a scene that comes to mind? You know, I'm not the authority on female empowerment in film, <laughs> but a favorite of mine that may be uh, less familiar to some of our listeners is a documentary from 1976 called Harlan County, USA. Mm. And it was directed by Barbara Koppel. It follows a, the miners' strike in rural Kentucky mm. in the 70s. And Barbara's embedded 
with this community of miners who are protesting their just kind of terrible working conditions and their poor wages and I don't know the uh, the health hazards right that they encounter yeah. as miners. But in particular, she focuses on the women right in the community. Mm. A number of the wives of the miners um, are really active in this movement, and it's kind of fantastic to see a female uh, director focusing on th- this group of like empowered women and just the incredible efforts they make to improve their communities um it's really inspiring that's amazing and that's a story i feel like isn't really heard like the women of the backbone of social movements that's really incredible all the police were lined up there when we got there it was the early we must have got there at quarter after five, maybe five thirty, but they were there already. And by that time, all this big crowd had gathered, you know, supporters. One car went through with three men in it. They kind of slipped through. And uh, the next car that come through, we were able to get in the road and lay down. Come on, guys, lay down, lay down. We didn't give them any resistance, whatever. We just laid down in the road because they were there to escort those scabs through the work. And that's been going on for a whole month. And we've just come too far for that. Madison, I'm curious, after having this conversation about the representation of women in film, what do you feel like we need next? What is going to move this needle even further? I think specifically women with disabilities, whether that's physical or mental. And that does have an interesting history because women can sometimes be portrayed as hysterical with mental illness and it can be very dramatized. So I think that will be a cu- curious thing to see ha- um, play out. But the, it's just very unrepresented community in media in general. And they have such a voice and such a need to be heard. And whether that's politically or in the media, so I'm very excited to see that happen, and I really hope we get things like ADHD, autism, and physical abnormalities, things that we have seen a lot of representation with men on, but never has the table been turned on, on women in a discussion on that. Because their pain, though similar, can sometimes be different. Um, so I'm really curious to see how they do that. That's a great response. I'm looking forward to that as well. So we do want to spend some time responding to our listener feedback questions from our last episode. If you'll recall, I talked with Camlin Giddens and Kimball Jensen about 2019 and then the 2010s in movies and as how they relate to some of the conversations that we've had on the podcast. We asked our listeners what their favorite movies from the last year and the last decade were. And here are some of the responses that we got. So we had some great responses. Elise said her top 2010 film was Inside Out, and she loved how it broke down mental health issues into an easily acceptable um, way for children and adults alike. Then Deidre talked about um, the film About Time and how impactful that movie was for her. And for her 2019 pick, it would be Frozen 2. Um, And then Alexis talked about how the 2010s, her most impactful film was Song of the Sea, and then for 2019 was The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And then for my friend Navy, she talked about how 
2019, her favorite film was Jojo Rabbit. And in the 2010s, she had she had quite a list, but they're great films, so I'll say them. Crazy Rich Asians, The Post, Incredibles 2, Wonder Woman, and Bohemian Rhapsody. And then we had one response on Instagram from Luis who said that Parasite was his favorite film of 2019. Such great responses. We really appreciate everyone hopping on social media, responding to our questions, letting us know um, your responses, your perspectives on the, the discussions that we're talking about on the podcast. Well, we're going to wrap up this episode. We had a lot of fun going up to Sundance. I want to thank both Liam and Madison for joining me up at the festival and having those interviews. That was a good time. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was such a blast. And then I want to let you guys know about our upcoming episode. We're going to launch season two next week. Our first interview is with Stacy Harkey of Studio C and JK Studios fame. He's coming on the podcast along with co-host Teilani Leo Pepitelli. It's a past guest of the show. And they are going to talk about Moonlight, which I've been really looking forward to. So stay tuned for our next episode. We look forward to an exciting season two. If uh, you have any questions or feedback, please share us, hop on social media, follow us, and, uh, and share your perspectives, share your comments with us. Thanks to Madison Rausch and Liam Howard for helping me produce this episode. Thanks to Aiden Bay for our intro music, and we'll see you next week. Bye.